I'm Marlo Higgins, and I've spent nearly four decades as an entrepreneur building boundaries around time and energy. I am captivated by stories of creating that mythical balance between priorities and success without the guilt and fear of missing out. I'm a to-the-point business coach that helps start a company, rebrand another, and launch my own. Now I'm running a thriving online brand with the white space in my calendar to spend time with my family, nurture my soul, and create an impact in our world. Are you dreaming of striking a balance between a thriving business and a joyful life? It is possible, and it starts with you. Get out your field notes, and let's tap into Peaceful Achievers, inspiring you to create a vision, level up your skills, and show you how to set boundaries that support the life you desire. This is 22 Minutes to Having It All. Welcome back to this week's episode of 22 Minutes to Having It All. This is Marlo Higgins, your host. This episode with Bakari is just fascinating. Now, I'm going to just forewarn you, this is a kind of a difficult conversation only for the fact that Bakari comes from Senegal. And Senegal is not a lot of people. You just don't hear that space spoken of very often. But Senegal, it's a country in West Africa, and it's located on the Atlantic Ocean coastline. And it's bordered by Mali to the east and Matrina to the north. And so the reason I share that with you is because Bakari comes from us as a French-speaking individual from his home country, but he's currently residing in Rhode Island with his wife and his young son, who's 19 months old. And in this conversation, he talks about just the poor country that he grew up in, how he came from nine different siblings, and how he made his way to the States. And his product that he has, he's created nonprofit organizations, and he has given away over 50 acres of land. And on that land, there are cashew trees, there are hibiscus plants, there are mango trees, there are like all of these things. And he actually gifted that land to over 1,007 women that are now working on that land and providing a revenue for themselves. He attended university through Santa Clara University, and he learned how to start a business in the States. The business that he has comes from the hibiscus flower. He has a hibiscus sparkling juice and also a hibiscus jam, which is also their antioxidant. He, he shares with us the process in which he took in working through the FDA to bring this product to market and how he didn't know any English when he came from Senegal. And so he worked in a warehouse while he was also educating himself, learning how to speak our language. And absolutely every daily action that he was taking was not comfortable. I mean, there was just so much. So this is just a really poignant episode. And it's the story of resiliency. It's the story of of passion. It's the story of of really understanding I mean, having it all for Carrie was really saying, I can make something of myself if I can get myself into the States and I can really challenge and champion myself. And it's going to give me an opportunity to create and provide for so many people. So enjoy the episode. It's again, his language is a little bit different, but it's not a reason for us to hold this. We want our listeners to understand just how universal being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, how some of the struggles that we feel we have are actually very much in line 
with so many other people. It doesn't even matter. They're not even from our same country. So enjoy the episode and make sure that you subscribe. In addition to that, go to our website, barlowhiggins.com and tap on the link at the very bottom in the ribbon that um, talks about the daily something. The daily something is a tool that you can use to build the habits to having a very sustainable lifestyle full of abundance. So check it out and enjoy the episode with Bakari. So how do you say your name? Bakari, Bakari Diata. So what's your background? What's your descent? I'm certified business management in Senegal because uh, at the university where I come from, I speak French and I always learn business management in Senegal, like how to run properly in, in Senegal. For the last five years, I was working on business in Senegal, like trading cashew in the Middle East, in Europe. That's my background. That's what I always did. The other part, I'm also a social worker in my country. I work with many, many nonprofits in Senegal, UN Nation, UNFPA, to support child and uh, woman rights. Mm-hmm. I have a nonprofit called Association Pierre de Santé. It's a French uh, nonprofit. My work there was. We have a rebellion in Senegal for over 40 years in the south where I come from. And part of my community asked for the independence, and that is to impact our economy and community. Many women were running out of the country, and my project was to bring them back home and give them another chance to start a new life. So tell us your story, because, I mean, as our listeners, like, listen to that part. What is your story and how you have gotten yourself to this point in your career? I am one of nine children. I come from the South in Senegal. I'm a Jula. It's our ethnic. We always have been discriminated in, that, in our country. And part of us, it, it was really, really challenging for people like me when you come from a poor country, uh, a poor family to have access to education, to have access to healthcare and all of that. And I didn't have enough opportunity to pursue my career academically. So after I uh, had my certificate on business administration, I uh, decided, you know, to drop off and go do something else. But by trying now to navigate, go do something else, it was challenging because there's no opportunity to find a job. You have to be creative. And I decided, you know what, we have land, we have cashew, we have trees, we have fruits. Why just can go back and try to monetize what I learned in business. So it's how we start to uh, import cashew nerds in the Middle East. It, it was working not well, but not too bad too. You know, I was able to have a sustainable revenue and go to Dhaka in the capital. And to get there, it was the same thing. Our country, it's over, the lack of work is over 65% of people don't have, you know, a sustainable work. So then I decided to create a nonprofit. Wow, so, that's fascinating. So yeah. where did you get your business skill set from? Social living. Here, why? You live in a country where every day it's, there's no uh, connection to tomorrow or the day after. Every day is unique, but it's a matter of what will you get today in order to live? How can you make revenue today? Like daily, you live day after day. So... Mm-hmm. Then it's your instinct, it's more creative to have some kind of a, a goal, a projection. But right now, how am I going to monetize my skills? How am I going to uh, find something to do and set it maybe and have something to bring forth? So it's where it's come that trade, you know, a skill set. Right, right. And then 
UNFPA and you know UN Nation bring those projects uh, mm-hmm. to support our community. And I say, you know what? Let's just go back and apply to have a job as a volunteer first, you know. And um, from there, they ask you now, would you want to work with us in the field? You know, you have a nonprofit to support your community. We can work with you. It's when they start now to give me some type of you know many projects to support my community. At what point do you monetize when that turns into? a real strong revenue for you to support your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a land. I have a 50 hectares of land in Bakhun. And in those land, we have over 60,000 trees, all of you are true, mango, cashew, pineapple, oranges, mandarin, tangerine. Mm-hmm. And it's where I have the revenue for my family. And now I have those projects with those women to bring them back home. When they, the first time they come back, I we didn't have anything to give them. So there was no revenue. And I decided to give them the land because under those trees, they can grow the cashew, they can grow the hibiscus. Mm. That hibiscus is what I use in the U.S. to run my business. Wow. So when did you come over to the United States? I came to the United States in 2018. How was that opportunity for you? I'm, I'm very curious. Like, how did you make that your reality? Because th- that's an obstacle for most people. How did you yeah. do that? Yeah. When I work with a nation on child and woman protection, uh, I have been working with one of my cousins. Uh, she's an artist. And she also have a, a type of project like that. So one day they called me and let me know, hey, there is a student uh, from the University of Houston will come in Senegal and uh, do his some type of research on music and ecology. I didn't know she would, she would become my wife. I got to the airport, I pick her up and bring her home. And, you know, we go to my village and go to the oldest region in, in, uh, in Senegal. She do her dissertation and come back in the U.S. and keep, you know, doing what he's what he doing. At the time, I think... It was in 2019, so 2019, 2016, no, 2015, 2016, she come back in uh, in Senegal for a new project, keep doing his dissertation because she, she was preparing his dissertation to become a doctor. So I find out that many research she was doing, some was accurate, but all the research wasn't accurate. So I took her. This is wrong. And then, you know, we start a new project for dissertation and take more time than it should be. And she asked to stay in Senegal more longer, like three months. And then we start today's. And uh, by 2016, we uh, get married, uh, decide to come in the U.S. Uh, by 2018 to start a new, new venture. Yeah. Wow. And then you obviously have a child. Do you have more than one child? Uh, no, it's our firstborn. Uh, 19 months old. It was a tough decision for me because I have everything in Senegal and I never travel. I never go. I never travel even in Europe. Uh, one time I go in the Middle East which is for trading, you know, cashew, things like that. But it was just like for 10 days. Other than that, I never go. I never left my country. So coming in the U.S. was really, really challenging. I couldn't speak English. You know, I don't know the culture and yeah. But, you know, we decided uh, to come because her grandmother was at the nursing home and he had, you know, a couple of days left and she couldn't hold that back. So I decided, you know what, let's maybe, you know, 
time to go and try to support her. So when we come here, we decide, you know, to, uh, to start a new venture. So where do you reside currently? Are you where are you living? Rhode Island. We live in oh, Rhode Island. Oh, you are in Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So your wife is a doctor then. Uh, she's a she's a professor, uh, a teacher, a professor on uh, musicology and ecology. Nice. That's yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, so then yeah. how are you supporting yourself now as an entrepreneur? Like what does your everyday day-to-day actions look like for you? My day-to-day action is make my business sustainable. Because what I do now it's if you have a passion to do something like for maybe uh for your passion, it's another it's one thing. But if you decide to use that and make your living and have a sustainable business, it's another thing. And it costs more than what you can expect. I work over 10 to 15 hours a day exclusively in my business now. It's my full-time job. Wow. Yeah, wow. Wake, up in the, wake up in the morning, take my baby at the park, spend one hour to two hours, come back home. My wife, she works from home too because she's a front writer for a non-profit. At the same time, she's a teacher at the Roger William University in Rhode Island. After I take a break, my wife takes the baby, and the rest of the day, it's me uh, sending emails, working with my broker, going to the four parker, see the product, work with my uh, laboratory. I have one uh, flavor house I'm working with in the U.S. to develop all the product I'm using. Because what I'm doing, I didn't see that in the market and uh, the FDA was asking me, if you want to make your product, you will need to develop your, if you will need to work with the flavor house. When the flavor house is done, you send it to a university, you know, like North Carolina University for approval to have your process letter in order now to get approved by the Department of Health by, and giving you your wholesale license for me to, in order to the, sell my product. And that's not an easy process. I mean, I'm sure that was quite difficult for you to navigate. It's, it's yeah. I, I can't I, imagine. Sometimes I cannot stop asking myself, how do I get here? I look back in the mirror, how do I get here? It was really, really, really tough. Really, really challenging. In the U.S., it doesn't matter where you come from, what is your background. You want to do something, you need to get certified, you need to go back to school. I did it. I go to Santa Clara University. I didn't have money. It's like a free, like it's, it's a free program called My Own Business Institute of Santa Clara. It's online. Yeah, I take that online class. It's a free class to learn how to start a business in the U.S. Wow. I did that. And uh, then up here in Rhode Island, we have an incubator, food incubator named Hop and Main. Yeah, just near my uh, house where I live. I do this myself and let them know, hey, I want to start my business. At that time, I couldn't speak. I couldn't speak English. I use my phone as a translator. You know, I uh, write it in French, Google translated, translated, and try to speak. It was challenging. I can spend five minutes just to say one word. But at the end, they understood what, what I was trying to do. Wow. I bless you. So you came, so a French, is that your natural language yes. is French? French, yes, yes. Okay. And that's a tricky language. But how long yeah. have you been speaking English then? When I get here, I start to, uh, to learn to speak English. Because wow. in Senegal, the organization that come in Senegal, even they are UN nation, they speak French in Senegal. Right. So we didn't have that opportunity to learn with them. Since they speak French, we start. 
Right. So when I come in the U.S., then I start to learn, you know, English. I just flew back from Paris. I was just in Paris and immersed <laughs> in, and just a week ago and all French speaking. Mm-hmm. So I understand because it's a barrier. It's a it's big a, barrier. It's a huge barrier. And the the behavior here and in French or in Africa is totally different. And in Rhode Island here, you can, yeah, it's, everything was new for me. It was like, just like, I was just like born again and helped to learn every step. Yeah. What's helped you get through that? What's helped you endure and get through your day-to-day challenges? I will say first, it's my my wife giving me that opportunity to do to, to my business because she was she knew like um, it was it will be challenging, but I took just a part time job at a warehouse here in Rotter just to start to have some type of revenue and same time meantime I launched my my business. Yeah, what the support I have I have the support from local organization like Small Business Development Center up in Maine, the Rhode Island Black Business Association, the Social Social Enterprise Greenhouse, and the Rhode Island Commerce. They have some type of uh, program for minority who will want to launch a business. So I just go there and introduce myself. You know, it was the same thing, like challenging. I, I have to write it on paper. Sometimes I just give them the paper and let them read the paper. <laughs> Let it read. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, and it was it was challenging, but those organizations give me the tool set in order to understand the ecosystem in Rhode Island. And then I go online, you know, since I have Google, you know, I write something in French, try it in English and put it on Google, you know, I've started to do some type of research and know exactly what am I gonna do. However, I always keep in mind that the hibiscus flower is in trend in the U.S. Not because we know better than hibiscus, but the FDA know better than hibiscus than Africa combined. Yes, really. The FDA, yeah, the FDA have a lot of study about hibiscus flower. Do you know that even we use the hibiscus for many many years in Africa? I didn't learn. I didn't know a lot of about the nutrition value until I start to pay attention on the FDA website and see all those study, all those research, how they, what type of nutrition value they see on the hibiscus. Even so, even many of them are not uh, quite uh, approved, but they know at least this nutrition value or this type of vitamin are in the hibiscus flowers. Right. So then I decide to launch my product, my product on that. When I was in Senegal, I have a lot of people I have working with on the fields for the child and human protection. And they always let me know that if you go in the US, we don't know what exactly you're going to do, but make sure to use the hibiscus for one of your business. Hmm. It may take time for people to know what right. you're doing, but right. once they understand what you're doing, they will take it. And wow. that's what, yeah, that's what's happened. So what's the main purpose of the hibiscus in the United States for your sales? The main purpose, it's wealth and health. Okay. Because we know that there's a lot of choice in the U.S. And every day, 
millions of products try to break through the U.S. frontier to get in the U.S. to to, to the board to get in the U.S. market. Europe, Africa, Australia, Canada, Asia, every single day, there's millions of products that apply to get to the U.S. So it, it's not about sweet or delicious. We need a product that can bring something new in the market. What I mean new, it's health and nutrition value. We know hybrids have a lot of nutrition value. It's the antioxidant, not for the antioxidant, anti-inflammatory products. Give you an example. Yes. When I make my first jam, I send it to the North Carolina University for the process of the rich letter to get up of it. They send it to my, my product and let me know, you cannot do this in the U.S. Why? And I, and I ask them why. They tell me, because the harvest is it's a supplement. Oh, sure. Right. It's a supplement. You cannot do this. Okay. We have like back and forth, back and forth. I can do it. You cannot do it. If you want to do the harvest is you can use the harvest as the jam. Right. We need to add the, another product inside of the harvest. And the hybrid amount can be greater than 15%. Fascinating. However, uh, Hoppenman sent me a link where we can go at the, in the FDA website and we find out that hybrid is there as the graph either generally recognized as safe and there is no restriction. There is no restriction on how you can use the hybrid. Therefore, I can do it. I can use the hibiscus and make it 100% jam. So that's what the core purpose is, hibiscus jam? Yeah, the hibiscus jam and the hibiscus sparkling drink. Now I have hibiscus sparkling juice. I have hibiscus botanical juice. That's fascinating. That's yeah. fascinating. I absolutely. So it's not just the plant itself for like aesthetic purposes or to have in your home. It's actual. Yeah, it's actual fruit. You know, uh, when I bring it at the first time, I bring the raw material and uh, it's dry. We, we, we ship it dry in the U.S. And I go to Ben Man. They was like, what it is? This is hibiscus. No, we have the type of hibiscus. I said, no, it's different. It is. This hibiscus is different than the hibiscus we grow in the United States. There is over 200 varieties of hibiscus. And the subdelifer I use is the one that has all the nutrition value. Wow, that's fascinating. Okay, so like with the cashews, the mangoes, those types of things, do you are you still in possession of of the land and any of those yeah. products or no? Yeah, I'm I'm still I'm working on that, but I give it to those women now. There are over now 1,700 women that work on the farm. Wow. Yeah, those women they were victim from the rebellion. And we bring them back home. So if you bring them back home, you need to give them some type of activity in order to generate revenue. Right. I cannot give them, send them money every day, or they cannot just let be there and just having something like a growing farming for eat. They need revenue in order to buy some kids school for the kids or for health. Where so did they go? Where did they go? So like the 1,007 women, like when you said they left and you brought them back, where did they go? They go to uh, Guinea, Guinea Conakry. They go to Guinea Bissau. They go to Gambi. Some of them even go to Mali. They run They run out of uh, our community because the rebellion was tough, you know. You have this issue where you are from Kazama, 
the military, they know you are from Padma. And if your name like look like a name of a river, you can you can be in trouble. If you meet the rivers and you speak like a good friend or a good warlock, they will think maybe you are a spy for the military. So now what I did is we start to reach out to them, you know, go find them within those new countries they are. It was challenging there more than where they come from because they couldn't speak those those language. Right. And sometimes like discrimination. I them to bring back, you know, to come back home and start a new living. And the problem it was what they're gonna do and where they're gonna live. Right. So um with that program it was, you know, push them to uh, give them that land, you know, and uh, they work there now. Honestly, I don't have any type of revenue that land. It's hard to access to give you something when you know what 1,700 rubles for a land, that land becomes too small. Right. But each woman have a family, at least five to 10 people. So right. it's hard to um, navigate that. So I let them take that land now. Nice, nice. Okay, so kind of coming into the close with our time here. What are what are the future projects that you're working on right now? Like, what are the things that you know? You're obviously you've you've gotten yourself to this point. You've got your family. You've got this nonprofit that's going. What's your focus in the future? My focus in the future is go to Africa, to invest in Africa, and let African product compete in the U.S. We can add value more than people people imagine. Because when you talk about Africa, people just think about, okay, it's like a forest, you know, it, it's like animal, you know, suffering. Right. We have more than what people have. We have more to offer the U.S. Right. And I always believe our our partnership between Africa and the U.S., it's more profitable than Africa and Asia. And today, it's it's giving me right. What I did in the U.S., I cannot do it in Asia. Right. I have partners partner in Thailand. We're just trying to just have some type of communication with business, it doesn't work because the restriction there for African community, it's strong. Right, that's fascinating. We have a lot of opportunity in Africa to have some type of land. When there's, we have like cobalt, cotton, you know, zircon, uh, things like that. And we think, you know, American investors can uh, really, really support our economy by taking a closer look. What I'm trying to do is just like to create a bridge between these two. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you have any of your personal problems? So this is where I'm going to leave you with this question so you can get on because I know your little person needs you. Um, do you have any family that you yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with you yeah. of the yeah. siblings? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, have a, I have a sister. I have a brothers. Yeah, I have a lot of uh, family in the uh, city in Africa. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. anybody I, in Rhode I, Island area? Or no? No, no. Here I'm just I'm, I'm alone with my wife and my uh my my children. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, I wondered about that. Well, this has just been absolutely fascinating. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to to have yeah. this conversation with you. I think it's really, really rich. If you could ask anybody, like what would be the one thing you would like people to ask? Like as they're listening maybe to a podcast episode, what's the thing that you would like them? to support you with in bringing that and building that bridge between Africa and the United States? What I ask them to support is just to first to try my product, to, to use my products, to buy it. And uh, but, uh, what I'm doing with that money, it's 10% of what we're doing here. 
we are working on build, um, on building schools in my in West Africa because education is our main problem. Education is our main problem. We still have over 30%, over 70% people of lack of education. They cannot write their own name. Wow. And in this world, at this uh, century now, if you don't have an education, no matter how rich your land is, no matter how opportunity, how many opportunities you have, you cannot have a sustainable life. And uh, for that reason, we are building those schools in my country. Uh, what people maybe will ask me, it's, the question I'm happy to answer most of the time is why are you doing this? Why didn't you just have a, a simple job, a good salary, and have a quiet life in there instead of running yourself broke, trying to do this business, you know, shipping product in Africa, bringing back, you know, having all this, you know, challenge in your, your life. Yeah. Absolutely. No, this has just been an absolute delight. So what is the name of your product? In addition, it'll be in the show notes, but what's that? Can you share the name of your yeah, product it, for purchase? Yeah, yeah it's uh, Hibiscus Sparkling Drink. Hibiscus, Hibiscus Sparkling, sparkling drink. drink, Hibiscus Botanical Juice, and Hibiscus Jam. The jam was last year in the top 10 product at Orphan Market to try. Wow. So where can you purchase? Uh, you can push it on Amazon. Excellent. Even better. Everybody's fingertips right there. Well, there, what a divine opportunity. You obviously are doing really good for yeah. um, the people in your country. I mean, you, your humanitarian efforts to do what you're doing is absolutely just unbelievable. So thank you yeah. for all that you're doing. You're, I, you're, you're, a, you're an absolute delight. So I look forward to staying connected with you on yeah. this. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Now, if this conversation sparked something for you, can you do me a favor? Go to Apple Podcasts and follow the show and leave a review. Your feedback tells other business leaders like you how it's possible for them to have it all too. Next, if you're a leader with a lot on your plate, I created something just for you. It's called the Daily Something. It's a mobile coaching tool designed to help you create the habit of having it all in your business and your life. So you can learn more about it by going to marlohiggins.com, clicking on the daily something in the navigation bar. 